my hands slip and I just completely fall 15 feet. I'm not even kidding. 15 feet flat backed it on the hard dirt ground. I couldn't even tell you how much we shot. We shot until our fingers were numb. And it was completely filled. And all I remember is someone's voice. I've never heard a more scared grown man in my life. The, the area that they gassed us um, because that's what we needed to do to fill that requirement. So, you know, we're, we're hiking and sneaking through this area and crawling through literally like tunnels that are like 100 yards long. And I remember hearing, hearing a rumor that, uh, oh, they're gonna, they're gonna trap us in, in this tunnel and gas us. We spent literally from sun up to sundown on nothing but tactics. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Alex from Brass Half Full, and you are listening to our very first podcast episode. First, I want to thank you for joining us in tonight's episode, and I'm sure many of you have wondered kind of what our backgrounds are and what Brass Half Full really represents. So I just wanted to cover some of those topics to include how long we've been members of SWAT teams, uh, what we did prior to becoming members of SWAT teams, uh, as well as what our uh, brand really represents and what principles we hold true. So thank you for joining us, guys, and let's get right to it. All right, so let's start by going over my background. I have over 11 years law enforcement experience now. Uh, I joined the United States Border Patrol back in 2009, um, spent several years on patrol with the Border Patrol, uh, eventually got picked up by an Intel team, which is basically a plainclothes undercover unit within the Border Patrol. Uh, spent a couple years there, and then from there, I ended up joining uh, a target enforcement unit. And essentially what we did on the target enforcement unit was uh, specifically work highway interdiction for uh, narcotics transportation. Spent several years there and I ended up working there for about six years before I decided I kind of felt like I needed some sort of a change in my life and I was still relatively young and I felt like I could make that change now early in my life and I didn't want to stay too long and do something that I didn't really enjoy all that much. I end up end up regretting it later in my life. So from there, you know, I discussed it with my wife. It was a lot of uh, uh, thought that went into it, and we decided to completely start over. So I joined a large sheriff's department in which I had to re-go through another academy. Uh, for those that don't know, with the U.S. Border Patrol, their academy does not qualify you for. Uh, most states uh, post academies. So decided to do another academy. Uh, went through that in about 20, January of 2015, I believe. Um, but I knew when I went into that, I was more mature and I knew exactly what I wanted to do. So I ended up uh, doing quite well in the academy. I won the top academic award, the top overall achievement award, top scenario award as the class president. Uh, I also won the uh, one of the other awards that is voted by the class. Uh, so that really kind of put my career uh, in the right direction right off the bat with that department. However, as soon as I went to my station, I, I went through the training program there and, and I had a relative at another department who was trying to recruit me over to that department. And I didn't quite want to go just because I hadn't been with my current sheriff's department all that long. But uh, with a little bit of uh, him instigating me to go come out onto a ride along with him, I decided to do that. Went out on a ride along and from there uh, it was set in stone. That's the department that I wanted to work for. So I put my application in, in the, to that department, which is a police department. 
got hired uh, with the police department and spent uh, a couple years there working patrol, learning how to do the job, learning the ins and outs of that department. Every department's a little bit differently, different rather, especially when you're coming from large departments to smaller, uh, smaller departments, such as a police station. And then I knew my interest was on the SWAT team. I just didn't know when was the right time uh, to try and pursue that goal. I didn't want to come off as, you know, too eager. Uh, however, one of the team leaders approached me and asked me if uh, it would be something I'd be interested in to join their, uh, essentially it's like a cadet program for, for the, for the SWAT team. I, I don't quite remember what the title was. So I came out and, uh, joined the team and spent some years working my way up through the team. I ended up starting out on perimeter. Like most people do spent a couple years on perimeter eventually through, you know, countless hours of training, both on duty as well as at home studying i ended up on the entry team and from the entry team i got put uh, into the position of a scout and as a scout on the swat team essentially I'll, I'll give you a brief rundown of what you do but what you're doing is basically gathering all the data uh for the mission that you're going to be or for the target that you're going to be hitting so i'll do all the pre-work all the uh you know investigative work aside from what the case agents are already doing i'm doing more of the tactical uh pre-workups put all that together through countless hours uh, and days and even sometimes weeks putting that together and then uh, put that out to the team on the day of the mission. And in that position, I ended up uh, the number one man in the stack. So I'm always at the front of the stack when making entry into uh, whether whatever target we're gonna be hitting that day. And that's where I've been since. I spent a couple years in that position. So far, I've been on the team over four years, I believe. I've been loving it. It's my favorite job in the world and uh, I wouldn't give it up for anything. So that's just kind of a brief background of uh, where I came from, what I've accomplished. And so one guy specifically came to my mind and that is Kiahi uh, because of the, some of the some of the capabilities that he has. So I'll let Kiahi go over some of those things with you right now. So Kiahi, you wanna kind of go over some of your background? Yeah, so um, basically um, I started out in high school actually interested in public service career and um, potentially even the military at that age. So I initially got my EMT certification in high school. And um, once I graduated, I wanted to, wanted to do something with it. So as soon as I graduated high school, I actually got a job on the ambulance as an EMT. And I worked there um, at this company for several years, uh, actually probably a couple of years um, before I decided to um, continue on that path. And I found out I actually had a passion for it. So I actually decided I wanted to go to paramedic school and I paid my way, even though it cost a lot of money and I didn't really have a whole lot. Uh, I actually went to medic school, it took me about, took me about a year and a half to complete the whole process from the classroom learning to my hospital internship, or excuse me, my hospital clinical rotations and then my field internship. So um, that kind of spun my interest a little bit more into other areas of the public service industry. And I didn't know whether or not I was going to go with the fire department or police department or, or even join, uh, join the military. So, uh, I worked as a paramedic before I actually put my, uh, my feelers out to different police agencies. And I basically shot some applications out 
did the whole testing process. Obviously, it took a little while, as uh, as some know. It, you know, it can be daunting to complete all those forms and go through a background process. Once I got through that, I got hired as a police officer for a large agency. I put the paramedic stuff on on the back burner. Although once I was done with the academy, with this uh, police agency, I still worked part time as a medic so I could keep up my skills and I. I knew I didn't want to lose that and may have come in handy uh, in the future. So I wanted to make sure I, I kept that up as much as I could. So while I was with that, that, that police agency, I basically worked a bunch of different um, assignments from patrol. I got to join the bike unit and I worked a bunch of different um, details and special assignments while I was with that unit, which is uh, pretty exciting. Um, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed my time there and then I, um, I got an opportunity to uh, work undercover as a narcotics investigator, which which was uh, eye-opening uh, for sure. So gained a lot of experience there. But fast forward to where I am now, I wanted to transfer agencies, particularly so I can go back and have some family surrounded me. I, when I joined my, my first agency, I, I didn't really have much family around. So although I had made a lot of friends through the process of living and working uh, in another city, um, I, I wanted to get back kind of home, so to speak, to where I had family and familiar faces. So I eventually lateral to uh, the agency that I'm at now and started to work my way up, kind of like Alex said, patrol and getting to, to know the agency and the area and, and all that good stuff. Uh, in the meantime, I actually joined the Coast Guard Reserve. I knew I wanted to do something in that capacity. So I didn't, I didn't know exactly where I wanted to go, what branch I wanted to serve in, but me being a water person, I, I surf and do all kinds of water sports. So it's kind of a natural fit for me. And then with my law enforcement background, the, the Coast Guard gave me a ton of opportunities. So I went with them and serve in the reserves with them uh, as a maritime security role. Like I said, in my current agency, I basically worked uh, at different levels from patrol, and then I got into SWAT, knew that I, I wanted to do something like that. I, I really gravitated towards getting more training and uh, whether that be firearms or tactics, I really wanted to be involved in that, in that kind of environment. So I poured out a lot of hard work into getting to that role. And just like Alex said, I started out in perimeter where, uh, where everybody will typically start. And then uh, choosing the roles, kind of got to be at the right place at the right time for, for certain things because there's a lot of positions that are highly coveted that people will typically stay in that role. And so once a, once a sniper position actually opened up on the sniper team, I quickly jumped at the chance. I, I love everything long range. So getting an opportunity to, to go and be a sniper on the team was just a, a no-brainer for me. So that's kind of a little bit of my background. It, was quick down and dirty, but uh, I think we'll be talking more about that uh, future episodes as well. Yeah. So on that note, let's kind of go into what we each did to prepare. Uh, we both kind of have similar mindsets and I know we both took it uh, particularly seriously uh, trying to pass our test because our test in particular, I'm, I'm sure other departments will say the same, but ours was and is quite difficult to get onto. Uh, so some of the things that I did to physically prepare were uh, I really wanted to focus specifically on more high intensity uh, interval training because that's the type of training that 
uh, your, is necessary in order to actually pass the test. What we do is we have a, you know, a bunch of pre-fatigue exercises, body weight exercises, uh, along with a extremely challenging obstacle course that very few actually pass. Most people fail it. Um, so I went in there wanting to pass it on the very first time I tried it. And I know that was kind of a tall, uh, tall order. So I was hitting it quite hard, um, beforehand and I adjusted my entire routine before I was, you know, I'm heavy into lifting. I love lifting weights. I'm not all that much in the cardio, but I, I do do it. Uh, but I completely flipped that on its head and I was doing high intensity interval training, sprints, uh, pull-ups, sit-ups, uh, jumping walls, things like that. And I was doing that every day, twice a day. And then I would move into doing, um, runs. I was doing, I was trying to do maybe one long run a week. And then in, in between would be, uh, you know, like fartlek runs and, and shorter recovery runs and just intertwining all of those together just to prepare for this one test. And th that was a difficult test. I ended up uh, passing it by literally one second. I had to dive to the finish. When I took the test, I think there was only, there was probably five, four or five other guys that took the test with me. And uh, I was the only one that passed. But like I said, I passed by a hair, barely passed. And then from there, uh, we transferred over to the, to do the shooting portion of the test. And that is pretty difficult as well. Uh, the most difficult part about that was the 25 yard line. You have to be fairly accurate, fairly good shooter. And you have to keep in mind you're, you're dead exhausted from the, from the obstacle course. I mean, your, your arms are just heavy to even lift up at this time and you're, you're shaking. Uh, but I was able to somehow pass that firearms portion of the test, which also, again, by a hair, I, I almost failed that. Um, and then the last one was the scenario, which basically tested our judgment. And then we went into the, uh, oral interviews, which I swear, actually, no, we took the written test, um, which I, I think I passed, uh, you know, I did decent on that, but going into the oral interview, I swear, I've never had a worse interview in my life. I, I have no idea how I passed that interview. I was stumbling all over myself, but it was probably a combination of just being dead exhausted and, and, you know, the mental stressors of going through that process, but it was actually a, a quite difficult process. Uh, just to be considered for selection. Once you go through all that, if you pass everything, then obviously you're, you're still not selected, but you are taken into consideration. And then hopefully you find out later, which ultimately, obviously, I did. Uh, the rest I didn't realize of that you were you were you were terrified about the uh, the interview process. I wasn't terrified, but I did a horrible fucking interview. It was like the worst. Yeah. interview. I mean, yeah. I'm terrible interview in general. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not great at interviews either. But interview. yeah, that was because. What Alex didn't mention, it's a it's a panel interview with all the team leaders and, and the CEO, right? So it's you have I, I don't know what four yeah. or five people on the on the panel. Yeah, uh, for me there was like okay, three. Yeah, I, think I think for me it was when I did a it. total of five people. You know, it was the two lieutenants of the team and um, and all the team leaders. So the three team leaders and the lieutenants so was five. So yeah, completely yeah. terrifying. Oh yeah, actually that 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 kind of reminds me. It was four for me, three team leaders in the in the LT. It, it was it was stressful to say the least. Um, <laughs> I remember some of the one of the questions that was asked of me was, uh, "What is more effective?" Something along the lines of, "What's more effective, a uh, was it a twelve gauge uh, sock round or or a forty mil?" And I at the time I was like, I have no idea, which right now it's, you know, so abundantly clear and what so obvious what that would be. But at the time, uh, that, that's the one that got you like a fool. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably the, yeah, probably the easiest one yeah. for everyone. I else. mean, there there were some strange questions, but yeah, it's, it it definitely is nerve wracking, especially you know, um, just to kind of give everybody uh, an understanding that that happened at least for me that happened at the end of the day, you know, and it was a whole day event. So for the interviews, it like obviously you passed each event, you passed the the physical, you passed the you passed the the firearms selection, um, you do the written. And, and then at the end of the day, you do the, the interview. So it's like, you're, you're drained, right? So it's like, I was, I was done, you know, by the time I got to my interview. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was completely exhausted as well, but from there, uh, obviously that's just the beginning, right? Then you have to go to, to the SWAT school. And I think I went to a different school than you yeah. did. Yeah. Uh, and actually, yeah, he... you know, the, the process for me, well, at least my experience was, so I, because I had prior law enforcement experience and for a number of years um kind of how our department does it is that they they'll take that experience and and use it to count towards um being able to try out for the SWAT team so I was lucky enough to have those years of experience and when they actually said yeah you're actually eligible to test I didn't I didn't realize at the time so although I had my sights on the team um I didn't I didn't really have a whole understanding of the testing process. So I only had about a month or maybe about six weeks to prepare for the test uh, when the next test was coming around. So I, I, I pretty much did the same thing as you, I, although I am, I'm a runner and, you know, I cycle a lot. And so I was kind of already okay with my cardio, but um, in the way that the test is run, basically all I did was push-ups, um, sit-ups, pull-ups, and kind of basically like a circuit. And I basically did all that with a run. And I did that day in and day out until the test. And then I, I basically went to um, a range. If it wasn't every day, it was almost every other day. Because that, yeah, Alex is right. That, 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 that 25 yard definitely is challenging. Because, you know, they, they started off with that run, right? So it's like, okay, you already went through the PT. But let's, uh, before you start shooting at 25 a bullseye uh, with a handgun. Let's let's start off with another run, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you, you have, that. I think, like three minutes or three and a half minutes or something, and you're on the range, right? Just picture yourself. You're on the range, standing there, at 25 yards, and they say, and you're you're in you're in a you're in kit. You're you're at least in a in a vest, and uh, basically, time starts. You got to run, and so it's not a very far run, but. A run nonetheless before you start shooting from distance with a handgun is, you know, even more nerve wracking because for me and my experience, that was the first go around for, for everybody, but they had the entire team standing behind me. So it was okay. Start. And then I ran and then I showed up back again and it was the entire team just basically behind me, staring at me as I shot. And, and then once, once you were done, it was, okay, you go back and sit on the benches and then uh, we'll go and look at your target. And then everybody proceeds down and looks at your target and shaking their head. Like, mm, yep. I don't know. That's the exact same experience I had too. And I think having everyone behind you and you can kind of hear whispers behind you. Cause you know, you're wearing these, uh, those ears that amplify all sound, So you can, they think that you can't hear them, but you actually can hear them, uh, even better. And you can kind of hear the whispers behind you as you're shooting and it's kind of playing, getting into your head. Um, and yeah, that was probably one of the worst parts about that shoot too. 
Yeah. But I completely forgot about that run. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, much a lot difficult. of people don't realize like, yeah, okay. Stationary 25, you know, I think it was 30 rounds, something like that. And so if they score it and you have 30 rounds, you have whatever you have three and a half minutes or three minutes, whatever it was. And, um, okay, cool. No problem. I can do this. I've done this before, but you introduce that run. I mean, you're, you're breathing. Now you have to worry about that. Um, you have the people behind you. Are they, are they critiquing every little thing that I'm doing? You know what I mean? Not, not only that, it's like, are they watching the target knowing that I'm not hitting anything? So, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like this guy sucks, well, you know? Yeah. Well, luckily we both, uh, passed. It sounds probably like we both passed by, you know, the skin of our teeth. And then from there, you're kind of in a hiatus status, right? you're in a hiatus status. You're not really technically on the team until you go through the SWAT school. And the SWAT school I went to, uh, is a very high intensity school. It's actually post won't certify it, uh, just because of some of the things that they do to you. And I remember, you know, you have to do the tryout for the SWAT school. And so our team sent me to the tryout, which is about a couple of weeks before the school itself. And I remember hearing, oh, you're going to do a shoot and you're going to do a few mile run, yada, yada. And I'm thinking, oh, that's no problem. I can, I can, you know, destroy that. And then it just so happened that my youngest daughter was born uh, the day before the tryout. So I still had to go, obviously, you know, you only get one tryout and though there's only one of those schools in a year. So there's really one of those bad timing, bad, uh, situations, but I, I had to go. So I show up thinking, okay, this is no big deal. The shoot was actually easy for the tryout for that tryout. Now we're talking the tryout to get into the Academy, not the initial tryout to get onto our specific, uh, team. So I do that shoot. That one was much, much easier than the one that it took to get on our team. It was no issue. And then when they line us up for the run. And I'm thinking, all right, knock this out, go home, uh, spend some time with the wife. And holy cow, that was, there was probably 50 of us to start and the run whittled us down to, it had to have been less than 25 because it wasn't just a run. Uh, we started running not only at a six minute pace right off the bat and you're in boots and everything, and you're running at that six minute pace, but then they're just destroying you on the ground about every hundred yards, um, push-ups, sit-ups, flutter kicks, then uh, doing something where you're picking everyone up and uh, you know basically passing them down behind you. It's almost think of, think of crowd surfing in a line, and that was going on. You had to do the whole whole stack of you know starting 50 guys, and by the end, it was half of that. And that was the most physically demanding thing I have ever done. I, I and it was to top it off. I think it was like July at the time, or no, yeah, it was July. And, uh, it was so hot. It was in the hundreds of degrees and you could just feel the heat, you know, bouncing up off of the, uh, asphalt. And also you had no water. I remember the, my mouth was so dry and I was so desperate for water. And as we're going down, maybe like close to the third mile, and this has taken us maybe an hour because that's how, you know, we're stopping every hundred yards. And at the third mile, they finally give a water bottle to, the guy in the front of my, my running group, and we weren't in, you know, designated groups, but everyone kind of separates themselves based on their speed. And, you know, you have kind of groups that are running together. And I was, I was in one of the, the front ones and they gave it, gave the water bottle to the guy in the front. I was in the back of the good. So I was the slow guy of the fast runners. So they gave the water bottle to the guy in the front and he drinks some, passes it back. The next guy drinks some, passes it back. Well, it gets back to me. The guy right in front of me drinks the water, 
passes it back and he passes me back a fucking empty water bottle. So basically he drank all the water that was left and left me with the trash. Yeah. So he hand, so he drank all the water and then handed me the trash to deal with. It was, uh, if I wasn't so dead exhausted, oh my gosh, man, that, that really (laughs) was upsetting at the time. I mean, right now I can laugh about it, but at the time that was like the worst thing anyone could possibly do to you. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I ended up passing that. And I, like I said, uh, about 25 of us passed and there, there were several guys that were actually ambulanced off just based on the intensity of the workout and the, uh, and the heat that was there that day. So it was, uh, quite an experience just to get into the Academy. So then eventually I passed, uh, luckily. And then a couple of weeks later I was in, ended up getting sent to the Academy and, and I was much more nervous to actually go to this academy than I initially was after I took that uh, tryout that was so intense. So I went to the academy. This academy is two weeks long. And I know everyone thinks, oh, I could do anything for two weeks. But holy cow, you know, two weeks can be a long time when you're doing 18-hour days nonstop getting just absolutely destroyed in PT. And then when you get, you know, get to your hotel room, you have to clean all your stuff and you, you get about three hours of sleep a night, but yeah, I mean, some of the things, the 18 hour days, some of it was just in ridiculous. Um, the amount of gas that was deployed, I mean, you were getting hit with, uh, gas, CS gas every single day. Um, just multiple times a day. It was just nothing but gas, 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 PT, yeah, that sounds, <laughs> getting that gas, sounds, more PT. That sounds terrible. Actually, that, that wasn't even my experience it, at all, it, which is, I'm not, I'm not too uh, saddened by that fact, but, uh, <laughs> well, you went to a different, yeah, yeah. A different academy. I, I was actually, yeah, I was actually slated to go to that academy, but, um, just kind of how everything, uh, pans out, it, it didn't work. So it was going to be like another year plus. And at the time we, because we needed to get operators on the team, they wanted people to get certified right away. So they weren't going to wait another year plus. So I went to another academy um, in the area. And yeah, my, my experience was not like that. And, um, like I said, I, I don't know if I would have had any issue with the PT so much as the gas every day, but, um, yeah, well, let me give you a kind of a snapshot of what the whole experience was like. So this was, you know, a couple days into it, we've already been getting destroyed for at this time. It was probably been, I don't know, you know, whatever's from 6am to midnight. Cause it was midnight. So it's midnight, you know, I'm hoping we're going to be off here, you know, real soon. They take us out outside. It's obviously pitch black outside. We line up and uh, they dump buckets of mud all over us. Yeah, why not? Okay, whatever. We had been, (laughs) exactly, why not? Might as well make everything better. So, you know, we have mud caked all over us, obviously. And uh, they take us through this night uh, movement where, you know, we're all lined up and, and trying to, sneak through the hill this this academy is located in like the hills um with you know vegetated area all around acres upon acres so you know we're we're hiking and sneaking through this area and crawling through literally like tunnels that are like 100 yards long and i remember hearing a hearing a rumor that uh oh they're gonna they're gonna trap us in in this tunnel and gas us so every time i'd crawl we're crawling through like these rivers that are you know really deep you're 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 crawling through just rivers for hundreds of yards and we get into this next tunnel and every tunnel you get into i'm thinking okay this is going to be the one and 
and you can't see anything. It's, you're so deep into this tunnel and it's so, you know, confined and closed. And I'm trying to hold on to the person's foot in front of me as we're crawling through the tunnel. And then, uh, you know, they'd get away from you and you can't see your hand in front of your face and you're trying to desperately catch up because, you know, you, for whatever reason, you just don't want to feel like you're alone in that tunnel. Yeah. And then you, you, you had that hanging over your head the whole time. And, and eventually uh, we made it back to the O course where we were just getting gassed and gassed even more and even more. And then they eventually did trap us in this tunnel and hit us with the with the gas, which is out of a, of a fogger machine. And nobody could go anywhere. I mean, we were just like sardines on each other in this super confined tunnel. And it was completely filled. And all I remember is someone's voice. I've never heard a more scared grown man in my life when he started he started screaming, No, no, please God, no. Oh, <laughs> it's what yeah. he, that's a direct a dir direct quote from him was no please god no in that voice is he, is he the guy that and, drank uh, your, your water and, and then, then handed you an empty bottle i <laughs> i wouldn't doubt it that yeah he's yeah. that type of guy so i have one more funny so there's this uh ladder you know on the o course and we're crawling down the o course and this ladder is at least you know the ladder yeah. i'm talking about yeah. how high is that 15 feet so i'm i'm drenched in water and i'm climbing up this ladder and there's a square box at the top of it and I, you have to climb up the ladder, go through the square box, and then down the other side. I can't see. I'm completely soaked. I climb up the ladder all the way to the top, swing my leg through the box, and then slip. My hands slip, and I just completely fall 15 feet. I'm not even kidding. 15 feet flat-backed it on the hard dirt ground. And I thought I for sure was going to be injured somehow. It was a miracle that I wasn't injured in <laughs> And uh, one of our buddies who was there with us that time, he tells a pretty funny story about it, how he's like, oh, he didn't know it was me at the time. So he's like, oh, that guy's dead. So he just crawled right over Get me. Get out of the and, way, uh, Alex. Going. You're holding me up. <laughs> that's, dude, at, at that time in the day, that's pretty much a, it. was every yeah, man for yeah, himself. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's and hilarious. Then, uh, that was probably the worst time in the academy. Yeah, uh, so that, for uh, me, that's so. crazy because that wasn't my experience uh, for my academy. Um it wasn't as PT driven or, or quote unquote torture driven for me, but, uh, um, and we didn't have gas dumped on us or anything like that. We did go into, um, uh, the, the area that they gassed us, um, because that's what we needed to do to fulfill that requirement. But, um, most of, most of the Academy was built on, um, firearms and tactics. So we, we ran drills, every minute of the day which was awesome because um they they taught a bunch of different stuff and that's actually better yeah i mean so we spent literally from sun up to sundown on nothing but tactics and firearms i mean we shot I, I couldn't even tell you how much we shot we shot until our fingers were numb basically which which was great right because then um the more experience you get and obviously with the with the type of instructors they were i mean they were in, in my opinion, they were top notch instructors. And so, um, so I, I really enjoyed that part of it. And we spent, um, we spent at least a couple of days at the, uh, at the shoot house. And we ran, like I said, we ran drills, um, there all day long. So we spent a, a ton of time, um, learning flows and, and tactics in the house, um, which, which was pretty cool. So, yeah, we didn't we didn't get slammed with PT. I mean, we we did a PT test and um, and did some other stuff like that, but um, most of it was surrounding firearms training and tactics and um, kind of other 
type of um, trade craft as, yeah. as an operator, whatever whatever that would be. So that seems more directed at you know actually training you and preparing you for the role, um, as opposed to ours was more of a because of a, we went to an outside agency's uh, uh, academy and I, and that was actually their selection. So what we were doing is our academy was their you know. Uh, selection. So I think that's kind of why it was very heavy on the gas and, and PT yeah. Uh, heavy. Yeah. Yeah. You, you were just, you were just collateral so. damage really. <laughs> that's yeah. really what it was. Yeah. Exactly. Wrong place, wrong time. Well, you're going to, you're going to hold the suck with everybody so. else. Yeah. So fast forwarding to, you know, it's uh, we've passed the academies uh, first day or first mission on a team. First thing I remember is just going and getting issued all the, obviously the hand-me-downs and the leftovers and everything's, you know, just mismatched gear. I didn't know where, you know, what was what and where. Yeah, super what. good, good gear and uh, like the best. <laughs> I quickly realized I was going to yeah, be I, Yeah, I got, I got a vest that like fit some other dude who was like twice my size. And I was like, yeah, this, this will work. And I'm like walking like, yeah, this is not going to work. This is definitely not going to work. So I, I did the same. I think I went and bought a vest. And, you know, a lot of people that know me uh, don't know that I'm a gear nerd, obviously. But um, that that maybe I use it as, as an excuse, uh, at least for my wife. I was like, yeah, you know what? Uh, they gave me a vest that was too big. So I'm going to spend, uh, you know, you know, I, I didn't tell her the, the exact price, but uh, hopefully she doesn't listen to this later. And um, I spent quite a bit on an on a actual vest that fit me. So, yeah, so that was my. Yeah. The excuse, the excuse you always got to use exactly. is I'm doing this. You so pull, come yeah, exactly. Safe. You got to pull that safety card. And that trumps it. Yep. So I, same thing. I had to buy a plate carrier, uh, bought pretty much new everything just to equip it really the way I wanted it. And, uh, yeah, the first mission, I just remember the nerves of that, uh, you know, just, you didn't want to mess up, you, you know, you, they give you when it's your first mission or, you know, your first months and you're on the team, you're, you're given very low responsibility. Like if we were to, if we were to get, be given that responsibility now, I would be like, really, you know, wake me up when, when you're done. But at the time it was the biggest responsibility in the world and you don't want to mess up at all. Cause you're the brand new guy. And I'm sure that's across the board for every team, whether it's military, yeah, police, yeah, whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah I, know, that's I mean, when, you're, I when you get first on the team, I mean, you get, obviously you had all these responsibilities dumped on you that you really didn't understand. And it would, it would, you know, it takes a little while to, to take that all in. So, um, typically how, you know, obviously when we do it on our team, we, the first person gets all the equipment to maintain. So you're, you're, you're handed all these, uh, equipment and gear and, and everything to maintain to make sure it's all ready to go prepped. And if you, if you got a call out or something like that, that it, it all works. Right. So that was kind of, um, nerve wracking, I guess, when you first get on and you're like, yeah, well, they gave me all this stuff and I'm responsible if this doesn't work on a mission, you know? So. Yeah. I remember that too. I specifically remember, you know, the, the, some of the equipment that we have would constantly go out and it wasn't, it wasn't our fault, you know, it's just the, uh, nature of the electronics with it, but you would constantly be, you know, as soon as a mission's coming, you're like, you know, oh man, I really hope that works because I know if it doesn't work, that's going to be fall on me. Yeah, Alex, why, why are the batteries uh, so yeah, dead? I, exactly. That's exactly what I was talking about, the batteries. So yeah, that's hilarious, man. 
but I had the exact same experience and I'm sure, like I said before, that's probably universal. Yeah. But yeah. And, and, and as far as like a first mission, uh, goes like you're driving the equipment truck or van, right? So if you're driving that thing, are you, you're kind of back of your head, you're like, man, I hope that's back there. And I should have probably double checked that that was back there. And this is my first time. So if I miss something that's not back there and they're going to need it, well, I'm in a world of hurt, you know? So. Yeah. I remember, I remember one of my first missions, I was driving one of our vehicles and I had Eric in there and he was the team leader at the time. And we were going to do uh, an infill at night. So we were trying to be very, you know, obviously super quiet and, and get into position without being noticed in the middle of the night. And I'm wearing everything. I've got my, my plate carrier on my helmet on and I'm confined in this really small, uh, you know, UC vehicle. And we pull up, we're under nods and we're about to get out. And wouldn't you know it, as I'm trying to get out, my plate carrier just lays on the horn and it's just blasting through the neighborhood. <laughs> I had Eric sitting right next to me. And at the time, Eric was just this, you know, almighty figure, you know, the team leader, who's the best on the team at pretty much everything. And that was awkward. I was waiting to get, you know, destroyed for that, but uh, luckily everything turned out well. So it was never that's, brought up. Surprisingly. That's, yeah. That's awesome. That's, that's exactly what you want on your first mission, right? Like, Oh, that guy. Yeah. That guy. Don't be that guy. Oh, you mean Alex? Yeah, for sure. Don't be <laughs> Alex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't, yeah. don't be me on your first. So yeah, that's just a little bit of uh, about each of our backgrounds. Uh, but what, I really wanted to do was kind of cover what our vision is. What is Brass Half Full uh, and what are our plans for the future? Uh, to begin with, Brass Half Full is, is a community, right? I wanted to establish a community of like-minded thinkers who, who believe in self-reliance and preparedness and are, are ready to take action at a moment's notice when the, when the time is necessary. And some of the ways we're intending to do that, just like we've been doing on Instagram is providing content that is not only educational, but, but thought provoking. And when I say thought provoking, you know, you can take our stories, for example, our, our scenario stories, it's easy for me to tell you, okay, this is the right way to do something, but, but I'm not always right. Nobody's always right. And I want to hear what you guys have to say. And I want to see your input because we can all learn from each other. Um, so that's just kind of the platform that we've been using to push our educational content, but, but we are branching out into YouTube. That's a, a new space. That's a new field for us. Uh, obviously none of us are very savvy when it comes to videography, but we are learning, uh, give us some time. Our videos are getting better as they go and we're, we're slowly progressing with YouTube and we do plan on expanding that with the intent of keeping Instagram as our, as kind of our home platform. And from there, just really pushing the message uh, uh, that we believe in and hopefully getting into training here soon, hosting some courses, some some firearms courses, some uh, medical courses, and some things that we can actually reach out to our community and, and provide training and hear from you and, and uh, we can learn from each other. So that basically concludes our very first episode of the Brass Half Full Project. First, I just want to thank you guys for sticking around. And we're planning on producing more and more of this type of content in podcast form, whether we release an episode every week or bi-weekly, we still have to establish a schedule, but rest assured, you can expect topics to include firearms, tactics, preparedness, uh, mindset, fitness, among others. So in addition to that, we're going to be taking Q and A's. We submitted a Q and A last time and got a bunch of responses and we appreciate that. So expect that in the future guys, but until the next time I will see you around.